Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. Jump into God's Word. Uh, I just raced over here from a vineyard in Sandy where I was performing a wedding, and the sun was beating down on me. It was actually making me slightly lightheaded. Thank you. You sure you got the strength to lift that? I'll tell you what, after you, the two, you and Shane, uh, and then Brenton will wrestle you guys off, arm wrestle you guys off, and then I'll take the final winner because I don't want to waste my time on any dead weight there in the beginning of that whole thing. I've been going to the gym. I know some of you were worried about me flexing tonight, ripping through my shirt. It's, don't you know, this is all natural. I had four slices of pizza for lunch, so I'm good to go, okay? Um, this verse is a beautiful verse. The title of my message is, His Presence is Essential. We've been in these arguments over the last couple of months and really last couple of years over what's essential. I'm going to tell you something. As it goes in this church, God's presence is essential. I love our music. I, I really appreciate our production team, our leadership there, sound men, screen people, the people that make this miraculous technology work. I love them. I love our speakers. They do a phenomenal, come on, let me hear it. They do a phenomenal job. I love our hospitality team. We're going to enjoy uh, some refreshments later on. I love our recording team, our social media team. They make us look really good. Have you seen? I saw, I was talking with Jameson. He was taking pictures on Wednesday night, and I saw some pictures of us. I'm like, dang, is that us? Are we, are we paying for glamour shots? These look amazing. They look really, really good. We have uh, so many amazing things, and I love our teams, but I'm going to tell you right now, if God's presence doesn't show up when we gather, we are building a coffin. Hear me for a minute. I love all the other things that we have going on. But even the preaching of God's word without God's presence makes it just information. And I want to inject this into you because if there's anything that's more valuable to me in my life and my experience as we gather together as a church, it's the fact that God shows up. Now, I know some of you are going to quote some verses in your mind, but Pastor Steve, God is everywhere. David did say, where can I go to flee from your presence? If I were to ascend to the mountain heights, God, you are there. Or if I were to make my bed in the depths of hell, God, you are there. You are everywhere. That is true. But while God is everywhere, people don't experience the presence of God everywhere. That's what I'm talking about. There's the fact that God is present, and then there's the reality of experiencing God's presence. And so as we gather, it is critical as we build our church, as we look at the future, to make sure while if, if we lose plasma TVs, we, we had church one, one night here, one of the first times we ever had church, there was no power, no earthly power, and yet as we gathered, man, it was electric as we began to sing with an acoustic guitar. Because we can do without the slides, we can do without the plasma, we can do without whatever, we cannot do without the presence of God. Can I have an amen? You know, I have two different church experiences in my lifetime. My family started attending church when I was in the seventh grade. A uh, tragic accident happened in our family, and so we started going to church. And for the next six years, I attended a very uh, liturgical-style church. It was big steeple, catwalk going up to the bell. Every hour on the hour, the bell rang. Every Sunday, the 45-minute-long service, for those of you who... I, I, but it seemed like eternity. I loved my pastor, but, man, I didn't really know who he was. His robe pushed up to here, 
And I was scared in our services. We had a pipe organ that I, it felt like I was in Transylvania and I felt like Dracula was going to come up over the balcony because the sounds were so deep and so felt dark. And no one sang when we sang. The singers sang and we watched. And no one prayed when we prayed. The person who prayed was the only one who prayed. And I remember six years of 15-minute sermons. And I honestly, I'm not being critical. It's just the reality. I didn't experience God's presence while in church, to be honest with you. In fact, while I was in that church, because there was the absence of God's presence, my first night at youth group, my city, this is not what you're going to do. Um, I smoked my first joint, my first night in youth group. I got to youth group in the ninth grade, and a girl opens up a bag of joints, and she had, I never forget the number, 70 joints. That's a lot of marijuana. We proceeded to smoke pot, and later on the pastor showed up, and we tried to show that we weren't high. And he knew we were, and he said nothing. And I know for the next six years, in my experience, in my life, while I was in church, I was not going in a healthy direction. Now, there came a night after I graduated high school, April, a Sunday night, visited some new friends, and they invited us to their church after the meal was over. And I remember walking into the gathering. It was different. There was no pipe organ. There was normal, everyday people on the platform. They were dressed like, like you, like me. Uh, there was a drummer. I'd never seen drums in church. I was like, wow, let's go. And there was a woman playing the piano. Everybody was really friendly. When I walked in, my family, we didn't hug. And these people were hugging. God bless you. It's good to see you. And it wasn't like fake. It was like they were glad to see me, which was really weird to me. I've never been any place where anybody was glad to see me. You don't think that's funny? That's, that's hilarious to me. It was so cool. It was so neat. I watched people interacting with one another, and they genuinely enjoyed one another. They liked being there. And this is church. My previous experiences. Please let this end so that we can go home. But this was so different. And so the music began to start, and it was some singers, and they were singing, and some guy doing this up on the front. And I'm looking around. I had never been in a church service where other people actually sang. I could hear the person here. I could hear the person there. And this was the 80s, too. There were people who brought their own tambourines. I don't recommend that. I don't know why. It seems like the people who don't have rhythm feel called to play the tambourine. However, they were playing their tambourines and singing, and real weird, just not on cue, because we, we did responsive reading. My pastor would read a line, and we would read a line back. These people were talking out of turn. Amen, brother, go get that. Shake that bush. Light it on fire, pastor. And I'm like, what is, what is going on here? But they were enjoying their time together, and while that was going on, I'm telling you, I don't know what was happening to me other than I was feeling something in my, not in my feeler. I was experiencing something I could feel, but not in my emotions. The way I'll describe it to you, what was happening to me, there was like a, a sail that I did not know existed, folded up inside of the core of who I was, and somehow in this environment, a wind from heaven was blowing and causing this thing to unfurl and catching the wind and drawing me close to God. That's the best way I can describe it. And I remember for the first time as the pastor got up to preach, and he didn't have a robe on. Now, he, it was still the 80s, so he had a suit and tie. 
But he got up and he began to preach out of God's word. And somehow, in this setting, those words had a, had a life-giving punch. As he was preaching, I was listening to what he was saying, and the words were penetrating and bringing life inside of who I was. I had never experienced that before. I had only experienced, can this be done? And I'm like, oh, man, this is like, like inhaling life. They, had, they did something at the very end I've never experienced before. I got a live captive audience up here training them while they're young. Had, had, um, they did something at the end. This was a place you did not want to go in my church. Unless it was communion, and when you came to get communion, don't touch it. You're not qualified. Let them put it in your mouth, right? And so they said, hey, if you want to say yes, if you want to make the Lord number one in your life, I want you to come up here and we're going to pray for you. And I had, I'm telling you, I had never seen anything like that. I didn't know that there was a thing called making God number one in your life. I thought we all get to heaven after we die. We get the crowbars. We uncrate God. He pops out, and then we get to know him. Earth is not for God. We're, we're going to live life, have some fun, and then go to heaven and meet God, right? To find out that God wants to be involved with my life right here, right now, was mind-boggling to me. And it was the most amazing truth I had ever heard. Because my life wasn't going great. I wasn't, I was struggling at the time. I was barely making my way through my first year of college. I couldn't wait to graduate high school to experience this. It was terrible to me. I didn't know direction. And so that moment of making God first in my life was like the most incredible opportunity. So I made my way up front and uh, we won't do this to you. There's a whole lot of pushing and shoving and shaking. And I, but in the midst of it, in that altar that night, on this side, standing up and just praying, I invited that thing I was experiencing to be permanent. God breathing on the sail of my spirit that I was born with that was actually not functioning because of the sin in this world, that God breathing inside of this sail bringing me supernatural life, if that could be every day, I, I want that. Sign me, sign me up for that. And so I prayed that prayer, and I won't go into all the details of what happened. Well, you can see what happened. I'm here today. This is some 17 years later. I was, Do the math, okay? <laughs> liar, liar, pants on fire. I'm still working on, I'm being perfected, okay? Um, but in the process, I mean, there has not been a day where that access has not been available to walk with God. I went home that first night, I pulled out my Bible, I knelt down by my bed, and I was shocked. God showed up in my bedroom. Like, I could feel him. I'd never felt him before. I felt him that night, and then at home, I could, you mean I could feel God at home? I guess he really is going to be one-on-one -on -one with me. We're going to be friends. We're going to be, we're going to be companions. He, making him first means it's us. And so, that night turned into the next night and led to so many other great things in my life. Now, let me talk to you a couple, uh, a little bit here about the fact that the only difference between those two different church experiences that I had was simply one thing, the presence of God. There were choirs in both, there were singers in both, there were organs in both, there were doors in both, there were people in both, there was the preaching of God's word in both. Why did I have a different experience? It's because I experienced the presence of God, the, the tangible presence of God gathered in that church on that night. As you read the scripture, you'll discover 
that we can experience God's presence one of two ways. Number one, sovereignly by his will. Believe it or not, there are times where God just says, I'm going to show up in somebody's life. Boom. And I've read stories and listened to people share about, they weren't even looking for God, and all of a sudden God showed up in their truck while they're driving to work one day. Now those are uncommon. We see a few of them in Scripture, but God sovereignly does that. And why he chooses to, that's what the word sovereign means. When I say God sovereignly chooses, it literally means that God chooses to choose as he chooses to choose. He decides he wants to do something specific in someone's life, so he shows up. I've had that happen, you know, maybe a couple times in my life in these some 35 years, 40 years of walking with him. But more commonly, we experience the presence of God as we issue an invitation. This is the beautiful thing you, you, you better grab onto. Not only as an individual can I invite the presence of God close, but we as a church, we invite the presence of God close by invitation. It's not automatic just because we put the sign on the door that says church doesn't mean God has to show up. He's not obligated because of our sign. He's not even obligated as I already, already talked about because we gather. There's got to be the invitation. His desire is there, but he's put it in our, our court to initiate the engagement with his presence. If you read through scripture, you discover this beautiful, beautiful picture in the book of Acts where God's people come together and they begin to pray. Not somebody prays and everyone else listens, but everybody prays. I think they quoted the Pl Pledge of Allegiance that hadn't been written yet at the same time, and everybody was unified in that. As they were praying, the Bible says they experienced God's presence. The earth was shaken, and they were filled with his spirit. Anytime you read about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, that is God's tangible presence. That's him. Not an it, it's him. He is near. And so we learn in the Bible that as people gather, they're able to, the whole group is able to experience God's presence because of invitation. Now, that has to be initiated by leadership. I mean, Rowan and I's greatest desire for you is not that you can become famous writing some, the next Christian song. It's that you experience regularly the presence of God. A lot of other things we pray for, but without that, it doesn't, it doesn't work. That is, the, that is the key ingredient in all of this. You can skip some ingredients. Some of you do skip ingredients when you cook. And you can still pull it off. But you can't make hamburgers without hamburger. And you can't experience what God intends without his presence being present. And so they engaged him in that fashion. Um, everything is going to fight, though, your invitation. Technology will weird out. Things won't get set up. People will be trying to plug stuff in and become focused on setting up the atmosphere instead of engaging God so that the invitation to him takes place. We fight that as a leadership team all the time. We talk about it all the time. Just if the, if the, if the computers don't work, shut them off and let's call out on God. Because the invitation doesn't happen with the technology. It happens from within you and I. From the core of who you are, individually, but corporately. And this is why church is so important, especially in this season. You are going to be limited on some of your experience of God by yourself at home or even watching this on TV. I apologize. I realize there's some reasons for being at home, being in church online only. But I'm telling you, I'm thankful to be able to be here because the promise is as we gather, 
And that promise was made regardless of what's going on in culture. There are times to be wise. There are times to be careful. Okay? And then there's times to just say, okay, let's go. Anybody? You're living there. Okay, good. You know, um, our invitation is a little bit twofold. The invitation comes from our, our motive. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 23 says, The desires of good people lead straight to the best. So your desire has an impact on what happens. And if you honestly you walk into this room and you just desire to see your friends, that's not a bad thing, but that does not bring the presence of God. You have to make sure, I know for me, for our, for our especially our worship team and our tech team, our number one goal is not to pull off a song, not to pull off a service. It's to engage God in a way where he's tangibly felt in the room so that if you didn't walk in with that being your primary focus, it happens anyways. Because that's what happened to me when I was 18. I was going there because the guy who invited us to dinner had a good-looking daughter. I'm trying to set up my next date. That is my motive. And yet the motive of the people in the room created a atmosphere for me to experience. I didn't turn the thermometer up to really frigid cold, but other people did, and I could feel it. It was, it was God's presence was definitely in the room. You know, sometimes uh, our, our intentions, they, they get lost, okay? Our motives get skewed in the process of what we do. If you were to study about Taj Mahal, one of the, one of the I think it's one of the wonders of the world, amazing palace that was built um, by the emperor for his, get this, for his favorite wife after she died. You track with me? Not a good recipe. Anyways, he brought her body onto the property in an ornate casket to build this, this beautiful structure, this entire property for her. She was the focus. And in the process over the next decades of building the building, there came a day where they're trying to finish up and get some stuff all set, and the emperor's in a room, and there's a clutter over on the side. And he's like, get this clutter out of here. What is this? And he realizes he's been so captivated by all the activity, her casket got buried in the corner with all the building supplies. A building that had a purpose, but the motive shifted over time, and so what it was really purposed for couldn't actually be realized. And we have to fight against that because sometimes life gets busy. Sometimes we got a lot going. But when we walk into this room, whether it's here today not rostered just to worship God or here today rostered and I've got to work security, still the goal, the focus has to be God showing up in this room because we can't afford for him to be over in the corner under the clutter. Because what this world needs is not another great church service, not another great sermon. They need, you need, I need a face-to-face -face encounter with the presence of God. Amen? Amen? Bump the person next to you and say, you need to wake up. Well, maybe that wasn't you, the person next to you. Maybe it was you that needed to wake up. God also responds to our action. Did you hear what I said? God responds to our action. You know, there's a recipe for invitation to, to have God's presence come and be around you. You know, if I was throwing a birthday party and I'm inviting you by throwing you mm, emotional tractor beams to know that I'm having a party. And then when the party comes and you don't show up and I'm mad at you because you didn't show up and you're like, but I didn't get an invitation. Oh, yes, I I was mm, you, but you could have written it down on paper 
dropped it in the mail, could have sent an email, could have made a phone call. There are appropriate ways to make an invitation. And I'm telling you, your body language is one of the biggest invitations that you will ever make. The condition of your heart is important, but body language, scripturally speaking, invites the presence of God. You need to get this. You need to understand this because I will challenge you. I will encourage you. I'll heckle you sometimes. You'll be a little bit mad to motivate you to move beyond your normal, comfortable boundaries to do something scriptural that invites the presence of God into the room. I cannot make the thermostat get warmer by thinking warm thoughts. It doesn't work that way, even if I want to try to make it work that way. But I can make the thermostat work by walking over and pushing it up, correct? And God's presence showing up requires some action on your part. It requires some singing, and it doesn't matter if you could sing on key. How many of you don't like to sing? Let me see your hands. It's okay. Let's be honest here. Just a couple of us. Actually, I do like to sing, but I want you guys to feel comfortable. Now, how many of you know that your singing is not any good? Okay, let's get our hands up. Not any good. How many of you know, though, when you express affection to a living being, there's a response? I can have love for Rowena, but if I don't express love for Rowena, she doesn't hear it, and I'm not going to get the response that I'm looking for. Mm -mm, sending her love energy beams. I mean, that already happens. It just flows out of me. She senses it. She feels it. It's, it's a force field. It's like a hurricane. You all, well, she knows that. You don't know. But the, it's important for me to use communication. And when you sing, how many of you, the first time you ever raised hands, it was like really awkward? Let me be honest, don't raise your hands on this one. How many of you, the first time you ever kissed someone, it was really awkward? Say, so I got people raising hands. <laughs> First time, I, uh, should I tell this story? <laughs> Again, go back to the church that I went to that where God wasn't showing up. For youth group, we had a smoking room, and for one of our activities, we played spin the bottle. That is disgusting. And the first time I ever kissed a girl was at church and spin the bottle. It was horrible. It was, like, it was terrifying. Terrible. There's no... But that doesn't mean I don't kiss my wife and love every moment of it today. Because I'm expressing myself. <laughs> Rowena's is like, move on to a different story. This is like, okay. How am I doing on time? Hear me. God responds to our action. Now, uh, give me this next quote. This is really, really important for you to grab onto. As we get, I, I'm saying we. As we gather, we. Say it with me, we. We actually create the atmosphere for people to experience God. By you inviting the presence of God, inviting the Holy Spirit, singing, raising your hands, you are actually a catalyst to create the experience or the opportunity for people to experience God's presence. If you ever slip into this bad mojo of being entertained, 
you will be irritated that the worship team didn't show up with their A game and so you didn't feel anything. And what you need to understand is the reason why you didn't feel anything because you were a spectator. I'm going to tell you something that really, I mean this, this works, it's miraculous. The worship team can be on their A game and you could be in churches with people with their hands in their pockets and it's like a vacuum sucking all the energy out of people who are doing everything that they can. It's like turning on the air conditioning and opening every door in the house to 100 degree heat. But it only takes one or two people who dive in and somehow what they're doing influences them that influences them and then begins to bounce around the room and suddenly this life-giving breath of God comes upon us all. You have a role to play. You impact this room when you walk in. Oh, nobody rostered me. You don't need to be rostered. You get in that chair right there. You stand up. You sing out the praises of God. You're going to impact everyone in the area, not to mention your children watching you. We have such an incredible opportunity. We together create the atmosphere for people to experience God. As an 18-year-old, I experienced God not because that was the day God had penned on the calendar for me. It's because I finally came into contact with people who had the agenda of heaven. I experienced God because on the agenda of those people was we're going to experience God. And their agenda impacted my life, not only for the better of my life here on earth, but for all of eternity. I cannot even imagine where I would be without that night of experiencing Christ, discovering that his presence is accessible for all of life. Okay, now I'm going to get to my points. Let me just give them, give them to you real quick, okay? Worship team's going to get in permission, in position. Permission. <laughs> Freudian slip there. <laughs> Stay back. I'm not done yet. You shall not pass. Okay. Come on, you guys. Let me give you a couple, just a couple quick things. When, when God's presence is in the room, people are able to access God. And it's remarkable. I experienced that walking in here. You create a, you create greater access for me when I come into this room and you worship God. I have a better experience in him because it's promised in his word. As we come together to worship, it's concentrated. I have every confidence, every confidence that God will use us because when people walk through the door, we might not have a building at this moment. And we, I don't know if all the equipment's working or not. I don't know. But my confidence is that sitting in this room, people, you tonight, are encountering the presence of God. That whether he was a mystery before, in sensing his presence and feeling his presence, you're like, oh, no, 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 I'm, he's real. Things are shifting as you begin to discover the reality of God being in his presence. There's a, a, an adjustment in your posture. Not that he's maybe, uh, maybe, no, he's, he's really real. Now I'm going to figure out what to do with that. His presence here gives everyone access. Even people who have for a long time have been screaming that they don't believe in God. Listen, quit arguing with people about stuff these days. Do you not, have you not come to the place where you realize that you're not going to change anybody's mind at this point? 
I don't care what we're talking about. You're not going to change their mind. You weren't going to change my mind when I was 18 years old. You weren't going to change my mind on being faithful to one woman or the need to get married. Why would I get married? What's the point? Why would I wait till marriage to have sex? I mean, shouldn't we figure out if we're sexually compatible? Because that is the most important thing in my world, right? That was my mindset. And you could have argued with me endlessly. I, I'm telling you what, my, I would have no problem with abortion at all in my mind back then. I could give you every great argument, but two seconds in God's presence destroys all of the, the myths and the lies and the excuses that we grab onto and suddenly standing before the living God, truth comes not to show me that I'm wrong, but to provide the better way for living. One of the greatest things I've experienced in my lifetime is marriage. Being married to my wife. That's my gal. I don't ever call her my gal. I won't tell you what I call her. It's one of the most remarkable things. I could have never been married before I met Jesus because there's so many lies bouncing around, but God's presence gave me access, and when there's access, wow. I gotta give you these other four points real quick, three points real quick. Second, His presence transforms, just what I was just saying. There were things that I used to believe that were wrong that you would never convince me that they were wrong, but being in God's presence transforms who I am. I believe it transforms you emotionally, you ever walked into church like, oh, the whole world's going to fall apart? Walked out, we can win! It's not good preaching. It's God's presence. Walk in feeling like I'm a loser. I'm more than a conqueror! Why? Because somebody fired you up? No, because you experienced God's presence. And it transforms attitudes, emotions, behaviors, activities, addictions, everything. Point number three. His presence cultivates supernatural outcomes. I believe that when God's presence is in the room, we don't even have to pray. You can be healed. I've experienced it. I've watched it happen. I believe before the preaching ever starts, you and God can have an amazing conversation and you can realize that you're a son or daughter of the king. You are accepted. He's got his hand on you. He wants to, he actually likes you. He doesn't just love you because you're part of the group. Individually, he's got a picture in his wallet and you're on it and it says favor. You discover that. How? His presence cultivates those supernatural outcomes. He changes hearts. He changes mind. Number four, final thing. His presence prepares the way for his word. I'll tell you what. People don't worship. People don't pray. I got to get up here and try to deliver God's word. It is like trying to throw a green bean through a concrete wall. Just made that up. I'm sure I'll become famous for that. Tell my, tell my, I think it was my daughter today, when I was a freshman in, or maybe junior in college, we'd go out and do outside ministry. And uh, got the invitation to go and preach at a little country church. And I had three other guys going with me. And so I sat in the back seat and they pretended like I was the next Billy Graham. We drove there and they were like, sir, can I carry your Bible for you? And so we walk into the church and feel like, yeah, man, I'm the one preaching and it's gonna be great. We walked into a room and this is not based on age. I don't mean that. The posture and demeanor of everyone in there was like they were waiting to die. Had to be coaxed to stand, be 
coaxed to sing, nobody wanted to clap, nobody wanted to raise their hands. The tone in the room was not, woo-hoo! The tone in the room was wah, wah. Glass half full, maybe God cares. Maybe God will answer a prayer if it be his will. And I had to get up and preach. It was the worst experience ever. It was the worst sermon ever, even though it included scripture. And I remember at the very end, the way I closed was, okay, some of you, you might want to come up to the altar. Some of you, you might want to just stay in your seat. I'm out. <laughs> and I went and sat down. And I drove back with the other three guys, humiliated. I ain't the next Billy Graham. I'm the next Steve Nobody. Should never do that again. That's who I was. I thought, man, I really blew it that day. But looking back, I understand the concept is that the atmosphere affects even the Word of God. You know, when you amen the Word of God, which you should do, not so, my ego doesn't need your amen at all. My ego is fine, if you know me. It's pretty good. Might need some trimming back. Pretty confident. The reason why you want to say amen and that's good is because it charges the atmosphere with God's presence. You're not saying what you're saying is good. You're saying God's word is good. Amen. Mm, amen. And the reason why you say that injects the atmosphere and causes the word to then begin to penetrate hearts. Instead of throwing a green bean against a concrete wall, it's throwing a nuclear missile into jello and blows that stuff out of the way, penetrates the heart because ultimately my truth, my heart needs truth. To heal me, set me free. Stand with me. Straight where you are. We're gonna sing one last song. I got you guys. I preach four points in seven minutes. That's pretty good. I do pretty good. Hey, with your hands. Okay, now, now let's, this is rubber hits the road. With your hands. In your own words, before we sing out loud, on key or off key, before we clap our hands in unison to our team and, you know, the music that they play. I don't need that to experience the presence of God. I don't need that to affect Jade. I could just call on heaven and say, dear God, I love you. God, you are good. You are good. You are good. Good. Come on, with your own mouth, with your own words, with your own actions. Father, we love you in this place. Come on, we honor you in this place. God, I say yes and amen. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to this earth, pouring it out. Come on, out loud. Express your affection. Express your love, not just to heaven, but so the people around you can hear. It affects their faith. It charges the atmosphere. Father, we love you. We honor you in this place. We honor you in this place. We honor you, oh God. We honor you in this house. We refuse to allow stone to exist, cement walls between us and heaven. We've been called to prepare the way of the Lord, to make the high mountains pull down, the valleys to come up, crooked places to be straight, so the people can access the presence of God. Father, we are architects of that. We are participants in that. We are ones who affect that. Lord, it's not the, just the pastors or the 
worship team. It's me. It's us. I take responsibility. I thank you for access into your presence. And Father, I'm going to lean in every day, and I'm going to grab onto it. I'm going to impact it as I gather as part of the church, because our church will be known as a place where you can experience God, not just hear about Him, not just hear stories out of the Bible, but to experience the touch of God, the healing of God, the forgiveness of God, the encouragement of God, the favor of God, the faith-filled life that comes from being around the presence of God. Father, I'm so thankful that that's accessible. Thank you, Lord. Come on, whisper it out. Whisper it out to Him. Come on, let me hear your voice. Father, I love you. Father, I honor you. Father, I worship you. Come on, let that praise bubble up. Those of you who sing or pray in a different language, don't, don't resist that. Stir that up within you. Honor God with your lips. Father, we love you. We love you, Lord Jesus. God, we thank you. Your presence is precious. It's precious right here and right now. Father, we love you and we honor you. Love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.